So, this series is Do Not Conform, and it's based on the scripture in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. One of my favorite scriptures. So you can turn over to Romans 12, 1 and 2, and you, you're, you will be, at the end of this series, you will be familiar with this scripture. I promise you, you will be familiar with this scripture. Romans 12, 1 and 2 is so important. It, uh, think about, uh, this is just a short, a short little brief lesson on how to study the Bible. You look at who was speaking, who were they speaking to, and why were they speaking. This is called contextual hermeneutics. Contextual hermeneutics. It's a, it's a principle of hermeneutics that, uh, you, you have to look at things in context. And I know, there are a lot of ministries and ministers that like to just extrapolate or take out a scripture and use it for whatever they want it to mean. And that's where you get off and you get into some false doctrine. Um, but you need to look at what comes before the scripture and what comes after the scripture, who was speaking, what was the purpose. This was the Apostle Paul speaking to the church at Rome. And he was teaching them. He, he wrote them a letter before he came to visit Rome. But he, he wrote to the church. And so he's writing to Christians. That means this is for us. Say that with me. This is for me. This isn't just for the church in Rome over 2,000 years ago. It's for the church in Decula in 2021. For us. This is going to help us get our mind on straight here. Because I think a lot of churches and a lot of Christians that, that, that love God are, are flipping out in their minds. <laughs> this, these scriptures are all about uh, how to get our mind on straight here. Paul is saying, by the Holy Spirit, Paul wrote this by the inspiration of the Spirit of God. And he says, uh, I urge you, therefore I urge you. Well, he talks about, you know, therefore... Whenever you see a therefore, you ought to look at why it's therefore. What it, why is it therefore? Therefore. So it would do good this week if you'd go back and read chapter 11. But I'm not going to take the time to go back to 11 because I could get caught off on another sermon. So therefore, I urge you. Paul says, I'm urging you. I'm begging you. I'm beseeching you. I'm imploring you to do something. In view of God's mercy, in view of God's great grace towards us and his mercy towards us, to offer your bodies, offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. We stop right there. Um, I believe that he's saying more than just your body. Because... Uh, I believe, I believe translated, it really should be yourself. Your total being. We are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. So we're a three-part being. We have a spirit. This, this is very fundamental, but we need to realize this. It, it, it really undoes a lot of wrong teaching when we understand that we are a spirit. Say, I am a spirit. I have a soul. And I live in a body. Okay. You said it, and so I'm assuming you believe it. I can prove it in the Bible. But our soul is our mind, will, and our emotions. God created us with a soul. He doesn't want us 
to be soulless. He wants our soul to be redeemed. Right? And, and transformed. We're going to learn about that word. Our mind needs to be transformed. We don't turn off our mind when we become born again. He wants us to be transformed. Our mind to be transformed. But he's asking us to do something. Paul says, in view and light of God's great grace and his mercy, because he loves you so much, I'm asking you, I'm begging you to offer yourselves as a sacrifice. Put yourself up on the altar. Every day when you wake up, put yourself, spirit, soul, and body, up on the altar, as it were, and say, Lord, I belong to you. You created me. I'm giving myself back to you. And when you do that, this is your true and proper worship. That's what this verse says here in verse 1. That is true and proper worship when you offer back to God what he gave you. He gave you life. He gave you the breath you're breathing in your lungs. He gave you the body that you have. Whether you think you like it or not, he gave it to you and you're responsible for it. So quit calling yourself bad when God called you, called you good. Actually, he called Adam very good. And he didn't ask Adam's opinion. Think about that. So if you're calling yourself bad, or God made me and he made me wrong, no, you're the one that's wrong. He made you right. That's true. That's our true and proper worship to offer back to God what he gave us in spirit, soul, and body. Verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world or do not conform to this world do not be conformed to this world new king james version says but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and perfect and acceptable will the good acceptable and perfect will of god so we're doing something to prove something we are Offering ourselves to God to transform our mind, not conform to the world, so that we can prove what God's will is. And we're going to continue to go over that week after week during the series. But that's going to be the principal foundation of what we're talking about. We're going to talk today about conforming. The world wants us to conform. The world wants us to conform. The world is pressuring the body of Christ to conform. And what happens when we don't conform? Many Christians are tired and ready to give up. Many Christians are bowing their knee, bowing their knee to the pressure of the world. The pressure to go against the word of God and to compromise has never been greater than right now. Compromise. That has been uh, made into a good word where... When, when we're talking about compromising the Word of God, compromise is not a good word. In, in, in marriage, when you're coming together to learn how to be married and appreciate things maybe that you have never, you've never seen before and your mate kind of brings a different view and you, and you grow together and you agree together that, okay, I can agree that God wants us to do this. That the, the word compromise is very beneficial. But compromising the truth where the church is concerned is detrimental, is dangerous. 
It's what has led us into this mess that we're in right now. A crisis. It's a crisis. Compromise. Just go ahead. Just give a little bit. Just give a little bit. For the, for the good of the whole. Just this once. You know, what's the matter? You don't have to be so rigid. Let's go easy. After all, there's a pandemic going on. Does that, does that sound good? Sound like a tactic from the enemy? The enemy loves to talk us out of God's word. He loves, he came to Adam and Eve. What did he say? Did God say? Did God say? When he came to Jesus in, on the Mount of Temptation for 40 days. Did God, did, uh, did God say? Really? Are you sure? Let's compromise a little bit. The word compromise, and this is a, a good habit for you to do, is to look up the meaning of the words. Now, it's better if you go back to like uh, Noah Webster's 1828 and find out the original meaning of a word, then uh, have you noticed that they're changing the meanings of the words? And it's on purpose. And the world loves to do that. I think uh, the world loves to do that. There's a, there's a strategy out there to confuse people. And you, they use certain words and we don't know what they are. And then uh, pretty soon we, fi we find ourselves bowing our knee to their definition of the word. Because we don't know any better. That's, that's dangerous for the church to be ignorant of what's going on in the world. And the world is pushing their agenda and wanting us to compromise. But the word compromise actually means to settle a dispute by mutual concession. And somehow, as the church, we have bought the lie that we have to agree with the world so that they will like us. So they'll like us. And then the next step, I, I want them to like me so that they will listen to us. So that, so that we can invite them to the church. No. Jesus never said, build a church, put chairs in it, and invite the world to the church so they can be born again. Everybody's like, oh, did he really say that? Yeah, Jesus never said that. Jesus said to go into all the world, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go into all the world, right? All of us here today don't live in this room. Right? We live in the world. For God so loved the world. We're not mad at the world. The Lord showed us what's going on in the world by telling us. Nothing is hidden. God is not surprised. We shouldn't be surprised either. We shouldn't be appalled either. We should be righteously indignant as Jesus was when he made the whip and came through the, the temple but we're not out to hurt people. We're out to overturn the world's ideology. The thinking of the, the, the world's worldview that excludes Christ. And so, somehow we've bought this lie that we have to agree with the world so that the world can like us. So that we can bring them into the church to get them born again. No, get them born again before you bring them in here. Right? Anybody want to say amen after that? Amen. Okay. <laughs>
But there's many ways that the church is compromised and is compromised. And so I want to read a couple of scriptures to kind of shed some light on that. Second uh, Timothy 4, chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. This is Paul writing to Timothy. Timothy was a pastor, but he was mentored by Paul. And so Paul had the responsibility to teach Timothy how to conduct himself in the ministry. And Timoth uh, Paul, by the revelation of the Holy Spirit, writes this to Timothy to warn him and to warn us at the same time. And 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, it begins like this. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. Have we seen that? Are we seeing that? <laughs> yes. But they'll have itching ears that they will accumulate for themselves teachers who suit their own passions. Do you see that? Their passions. They want their emotions stroked. People want to be stroked emotionally. And especially right now in, in light of this year-long pandemic... Everybody gets emotionally drained and tired and just burn out. You want somebody to come along and say, oh, honey, it's going to be okay. So it's going to be all right. We want to feel good. That's more my, why more people in the world are turning to alcohol and sex to make them feel better about all of this mess that's going on. But people want... They, they want to be told that uh, you're, you're good, I'm good, I'm okay, you're okay, right? And uh, these people will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Now, Paul, he, he was talking about people in the church here. People in the church, not just people in the world. But the world gravitates to things that sound good. There's a point here. Whatever sounds good to you. And we've been taught this relative truth for so long. That if it doesn't fit my truth, then I reject it. But there is absolute truth. There's absolute truth. There's final truth here. First and final truth. And it doesn't matter if you like it. It's still the truth. You can argue against it. You can try to cancel it, but it's still the truth. And people will come into churches and say, well, I don't like what you have to say. That's, that's fine. It doesn't matter if you like what I have to say or any other minister has to say, as long as it's the word. As long as it's the word. Myths, myths are stories that sound good, but are unfounded. They're just made up. Anybody can make up a myth, right? It's unfounded. We want the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help us God, right? We want the truth. And when we turn, the, the scripture says, when we turn away from the truth, we become compromised. The more you turn away from the truth, the more compromised you become. So the truth is the only thing that will build a solid foundation in your life. It will be the only thing that we can stake our life on that will cause us to stand in the storm, like Jesus said. If you hear my sayings and you do them, you'll be like the man who was wise and built his house 
on the rock. And when the winds blow and the rains come and the floods come, the house will be standing. One more scripture, Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. Colossians chapter 2. This was also written by Paul to the church at Colossae. Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote nearly two-thirds of the New Testament. And there were a reason. He wasn't just, hi, how are you doing? <laughs> Where are you going to eat next Thursday? <laughs> no. There was purpose. He prayed over this. The Lord inspired him. There's inspiration behind this. Purpose. Colossians 2.8 See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the ele elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. One version says the, the, the deceptive philosophy depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. So there's a couple of points here that we need to, we need to see. Right? That we can focus in on. Number one, we are responsible to not be deceived. You're responsible to open your eyes. Don't be like a little bird that just opens their mouth and closes their eyes and just eats anything that's put down their throat. Be wise. First John says, test the spirits and try the spirits. Amen. We're responsible to not be deceived. By deceptive philosophy. The second point, philosophy depends on human tradition. Philosophy, philosophy depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world. So at, at, at times, philosophy and the Word of God can intertwine or agree. But philosophy depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world. Right? Here's the third point, and the exclamation mark right here. Christ doesn't depend on human tradition or the basic principles of this world. So what do you want to build your life on? How are you not going to be deceived by someone who wants to capture you through hollow and deceptive philosophy? You have to build your life on Christ. You have to know the hope of your calling. You have to know what Christ has done for you and who Christ is to you. You have to know the living word of God. And this is what Romans 12, 1 and 2 is saying. Listen, Paul says, I beseech you, I beg you with everything that I, all my energy, I beg you to present your life, spirit, soul, and body to God. In view of all of his mercy and his grace, present your body before God, which is a as a sacrifice, which is our, our worship, our reasonable service and worship before God. And don't be conformed to this world. So first we have to present ourselves in order to not be conformed, right? And so let's talk about conform, conform. Romans 12, uh, 2 in the Message Bible what does conform mean? That's not a fifth grade word, right? Conform? You ever hear fifth graders going around, stop conforming? <laughs> no. 
It's, it's a high-level word. So let's break it down and see what conform means. In the Message Bible, it says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Isn't that pretty clear? Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Think. Learn how to think critically. Not be critical, but think critically. Why am I doing what I'm doing? What am I doing? Why am I doing it? What are you doing? Why are you doing it? Let's wake up. It's time. We're calling for an awakening in the church. <laughs> that means we're going to have to use our brain. The way some people preach and some churches preach is when you get saved, you just turn your brain off. And God's going to do everything for you. Not true. Not true. We talk. I'll just bring it down. I'll just bring it down to you. Right, right here where we live. Where you and I live. If we pray for healing and you've been under the care of a doctor, go back to the doctor. Right? Have him check it out. If the doctor says for you to change your diet and he says for you to exercise, guess what you need to do? Diet and exercise. Don't expect God to drop a hundred pounds off if you're going to still sit on the couch eating uh, Frito corn chips, <laughs> drinking Kool-Aid and watching, binging out on Netflix. Come on now. Wake up. Use our brain. God gave us a brain. We use our brain. This is like revolutionary in Christian uh, circles here. <sighs> People are looking like, really? You mean, it's, it's got to be this easy? <laughs> Paul is begging us to present our bodies a living sacrifice. Use your brain. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't fit into your culture so well that you do it without even thinking. Listen, here's a couple of more. The Phillips translation says it like this. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. But let God remold your minds from within. That's the Phillips translation. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, but let God remold you or remold your mind from within. That means my spirit and God's spirit on the inside of me has the power and the ability to remold my mind. And if, if, you, if you come to Christ at the age of 30, listen, you've had 30 years of the world molding your mind. Right? Here's another. The uh, Orthodox Jewish Bible says this. Stop allowing yourself to be conformed. Stop allowing yourself. In other words, we have the responsibility and the right to say no. No more. No more will I think like the world. No more will I talk like the world. No more will I act like the world. I am stopping this conformity to the world. Quit allowing yourself to be conformed. The uh, New Testament for everybody, translation, NTE, says this. Don't let yourself be squeezed into the shape dictated by the present age. 
Don't let yourself be squeezed into the into the shape. It says the shape. Does it say the shape? Into the shape dictated by the present age. Anybody know what this is? It's a mold. It's a bunt cake. Bunt cake mold pan. So, if you cook a big sheet cake, Nancy, could you you just push it into this or, or what? No, no, it doesn't work like that. You take the batter while it's still moldable, while it's still uh, liquid, flexible, and you pour it in. The world is trying to get us as the church to be poured into their mold. They have a mold and they want us to fit into it. If you love me, then you'll just accept me just the way I am. Right? Jesus loves us. He accepts us. But this verse is telling us that we need to change. To be transformed means, this word transformed in the Greek means metamorphosis. God will change us as we present our bodies a living sacrifice, spirit, soul, and body to him. As we acknowledge that he is the Lord of our life, we give him permission to be changed from the inside out, for God to remold our minds from within so that we don't conform to the mold of the world. God doesn't want us to be like the world. No. He said, reach the world, go into the world, preach the gospel to the world. But he, didn't ever, he never said, be like the world. That's right. A lot of churches ha say, we have to become like the world so we can win the world. Where's that scripture? <laughs> Show me where that scripture is. No. Romans chapter 1 says, the, the, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Yeah. It will change somebody's life that quick. Yeah, right. But the gospel does the work. We don't have to look like someone to win that person to Jesus. Come on, somebody. There's a process of transformation. But the world will, will pressure and pre is pressuring the church right now to conform to its patterns. In the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the different patterns of this world. The world has its patterns. It has its patterns. It, it's mold. And... In, in order to be pressed and pressured into the mold of the world, we have to be soft and we have to compromise. There's a lot of people bowing to the pressure, ministers included. A renowned author and minister, been in the ministry for years and years and years, apologizing for speaking out regarding traditional marriage. He's apologizing because years ago he got up and said God ordained traditional marriage. And now he's apologizing for that. I took all of his books off of my shelf. <laughs> I mean, hey, you think, wow, you're going to go back and apologize for being, for being right? <laughs> for truth? There's been a whole lot of conforming going on. Here's a word for you. I don't want this to trigger anybody, but this word 
Woke. Wokeism. I haven't said anything about this because I wanted to see where this was going. But this word has taken on shape. And it's still taking on shape. People define it differently. So I wanted to read you my interpretation of this word and how it's defined. Woke, wokeness and wokeism is a fusion of the critical theory school of neo-Marxism, which is a form of identity politics and racial activism that has a very particular worldview that separates the world into liberationists versus oppressors or oppressed versus oppressors. I know that's a mouthful and a mindful um, to break down. But there's, if we don't realize, here, here's where we become just really ignorant and we just believe these things without even testing them and trying them and finding out the rationale behind these principles and these things that are happening in our world. And you say, Pastor, why are you bringing this up? Because I told you that the world is trying to push us into its mold. We want you to think like us and act like us and talk like us because we don't like your truth. The world doesn't like the truth. We shouldn't be surprised because Jesus said if they hated me, they would hate you too. That's our problem. As a church, we want to be liked. I want so many likes. I want the thumbs up. I want the, I want the followers. Oh, send me your offerings. <laughs> Come on. Are we better than this or what? Are you following the money? Are you following the followers? Are you, are you following the followers? I mean, that would be a good, top, good, good, good title right there. Are you following your followers? Are you trying to please people or are you going to please God? When are you going to try to please God? Church? One major goal, study this out. Don't Listen, don't believe anything I'm telling you. Study it out yourself. Don't believe anything I'm telling you. Study it yourself. I double dog dare you to become critically uh, a critical thinker. To think for yourself and quit letting the media think for you. Quit buying the lie and buying everything everybody's telling you. One major goal of Marxism is to turn people against each other in order to set up communism. I mean, that's one statement. You can unpack that and, and, and study on that. Okay, I gave you something to study on. But it's all about Marxism. There's a guy here in Atlanta that I've been listening to very co closely. And I agree with most of the things that he's been saying, at least what I've read, and it's Michael Yosef. He was born in uh, Africa, as a matter of fact, in Egypt. And he's been in the ministry for a long time. There's, there's wisdom in listening to people who've been around for a long time, right? They've seen this stuff come around and come around. And this guy actually started out his ministry career in uh, the Episcopal Church. And so he has faced denomination, uh, trouble in de denominations and, and, and other things. But um, he tells, first let me say this before I say what uh, Pastor Joseph said. Let me say this because I'm leading up to this statement and I want to preclude that with saying that racism is wrong in any form 
any fashion. And when a person thinks that they are superior because of a certain race that they were born in, it's wrong. In any country, Samuel and I have talked about the racism between the Romanians and the Hungarians. I mean, racism, guys, let me make this statement. Racism is not a white and black thing. There's racism all over the world. And largely, you know, it involves the pigmentation of your skin because that's the way the devil likes to play that game. But there's, there's more racism than what we see here in America. We, we classify it as racism. So Michael Yosef, born in Africa, Egypt, the country of Egypt, in the continent of Africa, he's 70-something years old, he, in his book that I'm reading, he tells of this school here in Atlanta where they took the little kids and lined them up by skin color and made the white kids apologize to the black kids. This is wokeism. And it's very deceptive. And it actually works in reverse. Let me say this about racism. Jesus solved the sin of racism through his blood. Nowhere in the Bible do we find people apologizing for their skin color or the nation that they were born in or for sins that they never committed. How can you apologize for a sin you never committed? When Jesus didn't apologize for sins that he didn't commit. But here, here's, here's the mold. Unless you fit in our mold, we're going to cancel you. Conform or be canceled. Conform or be canceled. And Pastor, you're getting political here. No, that's another tactic of Marxism. To make everything political. To make everything political. They want to politicize the church. Why? So they can shut it down. Either you're on this side or you're on that side. If you're a liberal church, we like you. If you're a universalist church, we love you because you believe all roads lead to heaven. Now I'm getting into worldviews, okay? Universalism, progressive Christianity, I taught about that about a year, year and a half ago. Go back and listen to the messages. Um, probably need to teach on it again because people don't, just don't understand. Progressive Christianity says, hey, all roads lead to heaven, so we should embrace all religions. No, that's not what the truth says. That's not what the truth says. And Jesus, he was very kind and he was very loving. But he says there's only one way. Amen. One way, right? Not many ways. Not Buddhism, uh, uh, Mus uh, is Islam, uh, <laughs> New Age, all of that. Okay? Apologize or be canceled. Apologize, apologize. The world wants you to apologize for things that you didn't do and for something that you're not, that they think you are, that they have labeled you. You didn't know that, did you? If you don't apologize, then we cancel you. If you stand up for the national anthem and you pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, we cancel you. If you carry a Bible, we cancel you. So we're dealing with this cancel culture, and I'm trying to relate it back to Romans 12, 1 and 2. Guys, don't be conformed to the world. Don't fall in the trap of the world. 
They want to cancel you, tell you what you can say, what you cannot say. And it's right here, right now, living with us. We're in this place. I'm not going to create just this comfortable community where people come in and hear a nice message. I'm going to challenge you to transform your thinking by renewing your mind to the Word of God so that we know how to love people and see that people are not our enemy. Come on. People are not our enemy. It's the devil behind people that is our enemy. Right? It's the de- let me let me say it again because somebody will say, "Well, the pastor is just—he's mad at everybody. He's mean. He's mad at everybody." No, no. We love people. This was the dilemma that Jesus was in. He loved those people, but they nailed him to the cross, and he didn't agree with them. Come on, Jesus didn't agree with sin. He died for sin, but he didn't agree for agree with sin. When he came to the woman that was caught in adultery, he didn't say, "Oh, well." Everybody's doing it. It's okay. <laughs> Go and keep doing it. Come on. Right? So, um, cancel. Let's talk about cancel. Here's what cancel means in this the age that we're living in. I'm going to call you out and I'm going to shame you based on a politically correct or a socially correct standard. That's what cancel means. I'm going to call you out and I'm going to shame you based on a politically correct or socially correct standard. If we don't agree with you, guess who's wrong? You are wrong. And my question is, who, who is the we? This is the problem. This is the problem with social justice. Who is determining what is just? And what is right? Social justice. So we moved 20, 30 years ago from this term politically correct. Now we're socially correct. And it's, it's one and the same, basically, right? Because everything's politicized. So mob rule. You'll hear that a lot too, mob rule. Because majority wins. This sounds like the tactic that Lucifer used with the angels before they got thrown out of heaven. He probably, I don't have scripture for this, but I'm thinking, if he's the father of lies, he appealed to their emotions, hey, you follow me and I'll lift you up on this throne high above God, right? Mob rule, if we can get enough angels behind us, we can overthrow God. Mob rule, majority wins. If we can convince enough people, then we, we have to be right. If we have more likes on Facebook, guess who's winning? What? Like we just found out, Facebook can take away likes or give likes. You think it's rigged? <laughs> Hello? Social media is rigged. They know how to control it. Don't be moved. By your emotions. It's all a rigged game. We're seeing a theater set before us. Come on. Here are some of the things that the world has on their cancel list. If you don't believe me, just look it up. The Bible. The church. Individual Christians. Christian businesses. 
traditional families. Two genders. Strong men who know how to lead. Women who are submitted to their husbands. Freedom of speech. The Constitution. Donald J. Trump. And anyone associated with him. Maybe somebody that sent him an email sometime. I don't know. How about conservatism? How about Dr. Seuss books? Even old Walt Disney movies? How about the state of Georgia, the state of Florida, the state of Texas? Let's cancel them all. <laughs> I mean, cancel. The problem with cancel culture is when you cancel everything, guess what? You're going to be canceled. Right? There's nothing left. Nobody's left. Because nobody's good enough. Right? We all need Jesus. Amen. We all need Jesus. None of us is worthy without the truth and without Jesus. We're not worthy to live without Christ. He loved us so much that he gave his life for us because he saw the value in us. Don't allow other people to establish your value. Don't allow other people to cancel you. Jesus has not canceled you. He's not canceling the church. He's not finished with America. He hasn't given up on us. And certain Christians say, you know, I don't want to be canceled. I don't want to have my feelings hurt. I want people to like me. And that's, that's the problem. We want to be liked. And so we bow to the pressure instead of standing on the word and saying no. But when we look in Daniel chapter 3 at three Hebrew children named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel 3 is where King Nebuchadnezzar made this big golden statue and said, anyone in this kingdom, if they don't bow to this statue when all the instruments are played, then I want to kill them. Like that. Throw them in the fiery furnace. And I, I know you probably know, I don't want to assume that you know, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were leaders in the kingdom. So they had a reputation. They had some clout. They had some authority under King Nebuchadnezzar, but they refused to bow. And the word got to King Nebuchadnezzar, hey, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are not going to bow. And so he brought them to him and said, I made this decree. You're going to have to bow. And they said, no, king, we're not going to bow. Say what you want to say. But our God, let's, let's read it here in uh, Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. I started to tell you what they said rather than just show you. Daniel chapter 3, verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O king Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. Right? God is our defender. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you. Not your mold, your majesty. That we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you've set up. We need some 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the body that will say, no, we see through, we see through the mold. We see the world's patterns, and we're not going to bow. We're not going to bow. We're going to stand on the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help us God. In God we trust. I pledge the allegiance to the flag. There was God put in there for a reason, guys. Why, why do people want to take it out? Because they want to cancel God from this nation. And they will, just as quick as the church, will let them. Come on. So we need a mind transformation. A mind transformation. And that's what Romans 12, 2 says. Don't conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind to the word. God's ways, there's a contrast between God's ways and the world's ways. God's ways and the world's ways. The world's way, and you can, we'll take some time these coming weeks to show you that the world's ways are diametrically opposed to God's ways. That the world's ways depend on human reasoning. God goes ag sometimes against human reasoning. Now, he gave us human reasoning, and I've been encouraging you to think critically. But God is higher than human reasoning. Paul uh, said, don't think like the world. When you're thinking like the world, you can't discern what the will of God is. We've got to begin to think like God to discern what his will is. Either you can think like the world, believe like the world, and have the world's results, or you can think like God, believe like God, and have God's results. We need to exchange our way of thinking and adopt God's way of thinking. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16 says, put, put on, we have the mind of Christ. Look at that scripture real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. This is what God has given us. You have it. And it came in, in as part of the benefits of being born again. When you said yes to Jesus, this is what he gave you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. For who has known the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? But we, let's read it all together. But we have the mind of Christ. You just said that out of your mouth. Do you believe what you just said? Yes. Now, the problem is we have to use the mind of Christ. You have it, but are you using it is the question. Learn how to use the mind of Christ and not think like the world thinks. Use the mind of Christ. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. Here are the characteristics of the mind of Christ. Using the mind of Christ. When you use the mind of Christ. You are thinking. Philippians 4.8 says. You're thinking on things. What, whatever is true. You're thinking on things. That, that Things that are noble. Things that are right. Things that are pure. Whatever is lovely. Whatever is admirable. Or, or if anything is excellent. Or praiseworthy. Think about these things. This is the characteristics of thinking with the mind of Christ. This is what I call the uh, Philippians 4, 8, P48 filter. 
When a thought comes into your mind, judge it. Is it true? Is it noble? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable? Is it excellent or praiseworthy? If it's not, throw it out. It's not, a, it's not a thought that belongs in me because God gave me the mind of Christ. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3 says that we, the weapons of our warfare, the weapons, uh, the world, though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We de demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, or we could say against the truth of God, and we take captive every thought in order to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. So we have that ability and responsibility to judge every thought that comes in our mouth, our, every, every thought that comes in our mouth or mind, uh, and, and either take it, if it lines up with true and honest and lovely, good report, if you have any virtue, any praise. We, we take it, or if it's negative, against God or against people. People are not your enemy. Let me say it again. People are not your enemy. Racism is not against people. It's a spirit behind it that seeks to divide because the devil knows that if he can divide America, it will fall. Come on. Right? But Jesus said, through my blood, you can be one. One race through the blood of Christ. Right? One, we are one race through the blood of Christ. Quit looking at the skin and look at the blood. Come on. But you will conform if you don't transform. You will conform if you don't transform. So in order to transform, you have to consciously say, I'm not conforming. I'm not conforming. And we do have to acknowledge that we have been living in this world and, and influenced by this world for a certain amount of years. And, and that really should show us that we need to do more transforming. Important to do this daily. Daily transform. Daily transform. Wash your mind. The Bible says in Ephesians that husbands should wash their wives with the water of the word of God. Continually, guys, husbands, continually speak the word of God over your wife. Wash her with the word. And as you're doing that, wash your own mind with the word. The word of God says, well, the word of God says, and the word of God says, and the word of God says, I'm more than a conqueror. The word of God says, the greater one lives in me. I'm going over and not under. Everything that I put my hand to prospers. That's what the word of God says. I'm promised long life. He's going to satisfy me and show me his salvation. He has great plans for me.